Hello everyone, I'm Jamie DiPolo. I'm the senior editor here at breastcancer.org. Welcome to our latest podcast. Our guest today is Beth Bauman-Dupree. She's a general surgeon and also medical director of the Breast Health Program at the Holy Redeemer Health System, as well as an adjunct assistant professor of surgery for the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Dupree strongly urges her patients to consider complementary healing support, whether through lifestyle modification, spiritual assistance, grief counseling, exercise programs, reflexology, nutritional counseling, Reiki, yoga, or massage. She herself has participated in all these techniques and is also a master-level Reiki practitioner. She believes that whatever it takes to help a person find healing and peace is the way to curing them. Dr. Dupree, welcome. We are so excited to have you on our podcast. Thank you, Jamie. I'm really excited to be here and to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart, which is helping patients find healing through their breast cancer journey. That's that's great, and I know we've never done a podcast on complementary therapies before, so I'm, I'm very excited about this because I think um, these therapies can add huge value to people who are being treated for breast cancer. So have you always felt this way about complementary therapies? Did you receive training for these in medical school? How did How did you come to integrate these into your practice? Well, it's really been an evolution. And in medical school, I had probably a one-hour lecture on nutrition. I um, had That seems really typical no- from what I've heard. <laughs> that, that's pretty typical. I did not have any training whatsoever in anything that I would consider integrative or complementary. Um, I, trained, I went to medical school uh, a long time ago. I graduated in 1987. So that was way before... It really became something that is now almost standard in medical schools. Complementary and alternative medicine programs are pretty much part of every medical school. It may not be a, a big portion of their training, but at least they get an introduction to it. My entrance into um, integrative medicine really came through the process of going through cancer diagnoses and disease processes with physician friends of mine, physician colleagues diagnosed with cancers. Um, and diseases that were either considered not curable or those that had a very high risk of mortality and participating and learning about, you know, what helped them to heal through that process. And so I, I really came about it honestly because of the, the love and affection that I have for my colleagues who were feeling very um, – I don't want to say let down by Western medicine, but they didn't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And so when someone that you care about is diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and they're forced to leave the operating room and stop doing orthopedic surgery and they come to you and say, help me find peace, help me find healing in my heart. You don't turn a blind eye and say, you know what, I'm going back to the OR to cut out cancer Mm -hmm. because I don't have time for this. You say, how do we get to a safe place? How can I help you heal? And so... Through that process, I was introduced to Reiki or Japanese energy healing. I um, had previously done massages for relaxation, but realized that, you know, therapeutic touch, there were other modalities that we could use to um, enhance the healing process. So that was really the beginning of my kind of my entrance into what I call bridging the gap between Eastern and Western medicine. So it was it was really out of the love and affection for physician colleagues who needed answers and needed help to get to a safe place. 
And, and did you um, then seek out this training on your own? Because it sounds like you um, have a, integrate a lot of different types of therapies. So did you go to special training? Did you have people come in? How did, how did that all, I mean, it sounds like a lot. Well, initially I, when I first started, you know, and, and learned about Reiki, I would trade time in my office with practitioners. When I, when I was in private practice, I would let them use my space in the evening when I wasn't using it. And in, in trade, they would take care of my patients. They would give acupuncture or massage or Reiki or whatever it was, okay. or nutritional counseling, because I would, I would barter that time because um, integrative services weren't covered by insurance. So there were people going through cancer care, you know, trying to pay their co-pays for their radiation or whatever, and feeling as though they, you know, they didn't have any way to get to a safe place. And so that was how that initially started. Um, I then in, you know, 2007 got together with um, some other community members, patients, um, and my sister Anne and we sat down and we put together a plan to create a foundation, to create a, a nonprofit to provide those services. And that's how the Healing Consciousness Foundation began out of a need to, we wanted to be able to give women and men going through cancer a chance to heal. And if we see a patient in the office and know that that person can really benefit from, you know, an integrative modality, but they don't have the money or the resources to have it, then I've basically just given them one more thing on their list to do, increase their stress, mm -hmm. and I haven't really helped them to heal. So the foundation really afforded me the opportunity to really jump in, you know, both feet into the water and say, okay, you sink or swim, and we swim, and we're, we're continuing to swim and do wonderful things. And as the foundation grew and, and when I, you know, when our practice joined forces with Holy Redeemer and we came together to create a really awesome breast health program, it was a natural fit because Holy Redeemer, you know, care, comfort, and heal, you know, healing is right in the mission statement of the hospital because a lot of healthcare systems still treat disease processes and they, they're focused on just the disease and we wanted to maintain our focus on the individual and make sure that that person got what they needed. So, I, I, I mean, I, I call it an evolutionary process and it has been and two and a half years ago, I decided that I needed to further my study and my training and become officially board certified in integrative medicine, which I did. Okay. And so now, in addition to holding board certification in surgery, I'm board certified in integrative and holistic medicine. So that gives me that opportunity to do even more things in the wellness front um, as we go forward. And my two of my partners, Dr. Kreischer and Dr. Carruthers, are both studying right now and they'll be taking their boards in the fall. And they've been inspired by watching their patients come back to the office, having received those integrative services, saying, wow, they're changing their lifestyle. They're engaged in wellness. They, they're, they're at a much better place spiritually and emotionally than they would have ever been had we just treated their cancer. So, you know, I'm really proud because they didn't have to do that. And uh, it's like, you know, you lead by example. You, you set that bar at a place where... You want others to rise to see the benefit of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is we are cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, Western medicine. You know, we are we participate in multiple clinical trials. Our patients are on, you know, they get the chemo and the surgery and the radiation that they need to treat their physical cancer. But we're able to bring together all of the other aspects that 
I think is so missing in Western medicine. And so it's not an either or, mm-hmm. it's a compliment. It's a compliment to what we've already done. Let me ask you this. Um, what sorts of um, healing benefits do particular therapies offer? Because I know we get a lot of those questions sometimes on the boards, like, okay, I'm doing yoga and it's helping with this, or I'm doing yoga, but I'm not really quite sure what it's supposed to help with. Could Would you be able to just give a couple examples like of some of the most popular ones, like massage or yoga or acupuncture? Sure. With, um, with yoga, first of all, yoga is all about breathing. People think it's about postures. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can become centered with your breath and you can become centered in your heart, your anxiety level drops. Um, it helps with blood pressure, um, stress. Um, the other thing that yoga does is with the gentle postures, patients are allowed or, or given the opportunity to regain mobility in their um, upper extremities after axillary lymph node surgery or after, after their breast cancer surgery or radiation changes. And so for a lot of our patients, the gentle yoga has given them the opportunity to not just get centered spiritually, but also physically to help to rehab after their surgery and their other therapies. Um, we um, offer a form of uh, treatment here for anxiety, depression, and insomnia as well. It's an FDA-approved treatment that is, is not a medication, it's not a pill, but it's helping patients to deal with their stress and anxiety of a diagnosis and any, any integrated modality that helps a patient release the fear of cancer coming back and helps them to be present in the moment, you know, brings them peace. And that's what, that's what that's really about. So when someone goes for a massage and they feel that physical touch and they feel that, you know, the release of the tension in their muscles, mm-hmm. you know, it's helping them to better handle the stress of, you know, a life-changing diagnosis. Sure. The, the biggest changes that I see, um, I think that you could actually measure mm-hmm. would be, um, we have a wonderful wellness program. We're, we're actually starting a 12-week to wellness program Um, a pilot study with cancer survivors in September to document and to identify the metrics that we can then say to an insurance company in the future, listen, if we give our patients this opportunity, in the long run, you're going to get the benefit of this. So um, in our support group, we have the Wellness Warriors, and it's a group of women who get together, and they they work on nutritional um, enhancement, meaning what we eat and how we eat is very important. A lot of people don't have um, a lot of training in nutrition and understanding how to divide their meals in a day, what types of foods to eat, you know, with, with certain specific benefits. So um, a wellness program combining exercise um, for strength training and decreasing body fat and decreasing BMI combined with the nutritional counseling to increase the, the, the benefit of the foods that they're eating, you know, that's a lifestyle change that not only changes the patient, it changes the spouse, the mm-hmm. partner, the children, and it's kind of the pay it forward mentality of, you know, breast cancer risk mostly comes from lifestyle right now. I mean, the genetic-based cancers and familial cancers are about 25% of the cancers that we see. Mm-hmm. Most of the cancers we're seeing can be, um, you know, think pink, live green. Think about the the fabulous information that, that's been put out by breastcancer.org that we give to all of our patients, like everyone that comes in our office leaves with a Think Pink Live Green. Awesome. And so when you take those 31 ways to decrease your risk of breast cancer with lifestyle and you use that as an educational tool, mm-hmm. you're giving patients the opportunity to be empowered, 
to change their life. And although that is not a, a, it's not a, it's not Reiki, it's not massage, it's not guided imagery. It is empowering someone to promote wellness, and wellness is all part of integrative care. Because if we look at the future of healthcare, the more diseases that we can prevent, the healthier are we come, become a society. The less money we spend in GDP, and as a you know, as a country, we're going to be a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems fair to say too, with uh, Think Pink Live Green, there, as you said, it's a healthy lifestyle. So it's not just breast cancer that's absolutely that's being it, it, reduced. It impacts cardiac risk. Yeah. It impacts diabetes, hypertension, and you know, if we only treat the cancer that a patient walks into our office with then we are so narrowly focused on that one thing and you don't you're not you're not taking care of the big picture you're not looking at the you know the psychosocial aspects i mean we learn our patient stories and that's something that's system wide at holy redeemer we want to know the story of the patient that came in the office you want to know what life stresses they have you want to know what wonderful things that they are proud of in their life if their grandchildren or their you know what they've done for their career or you know what their what their children have done um, and so when you identify that in a patient and you can make their story part of their healing, mm-hmm. you know, it gives everybody a chance. Number one, you connect with that individual on a very different level. And you know that you're not just going into surgery to excise a cancer. You're going into surgery to take care of a grandmother who her responsibility is to her grandchild with special needs mm-hmm. so that her children can be out making a living. So understanding that and understanding those stresses allows us then to tailor that person's care. So in that woman's instance, she's someone who I would probably set up with one of our practitioners to do guided imagery prior to surgery so that when she goes into surgery, she knows that she needs to focus on her healing and herself because if she can be healthy and well, she can be around longer to take care of that grandchild that needs her. So guided imagery is really using someone's... um, own focused mental, you know, energy mm-hmm. to focus on a specific mantra, a song, an image, um, something to allow them to, as they go off to sleep or as they go in for their chemo or radiation, you know, to visualize that healing process instead of having their mind race about all the things that they're not doing or what they what they haven't been able to accomplish. And so, guided imagery has been an amazing tool. Um, to take patients into surgery and they have their affirmation cards they come to the operating room with uh, music that they want and you know studies have shown that patients that have used guided imagery as a tool less pain medicine post-op decreased um, cost to the hospital and to the patient earlier discharge from the hospital I mean those are real numbers those are things that impact the future of healthcare Mm -hmm. and guided imagery is an integrative modality Mm -hmm. Mm What are the reactions from your patients? Um, I, I would assume that most people are very receptive, but I'm also wondering if, if anybody's a little resistant, and if so, how do you overcome that? Well, one of the best things that we've done is we, we have a what I call the a la carte menu of healing. So when a patient comes in, I don't say to them, you need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I give them a list of here are practitioners that are at your disposal. And here are healing certificates that you have to use when the time is right for you, when you feel safe. 
I, you know, for some patients, I will encourage them to go before surgery because their level of anxiety is so high that they really will benefit from the, what I call the preemptive strike. Mm -hmm. So, um, for patients who may have resistance, sometimes the resistance is fear. And when you can break in through that fear and find out that what they're scared of is not being able to care for the people they need to care for, which is why you need to know their stories. And, um, very few patients resist that loving, caring process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they if they did resist it, they would probably go someplace else for care because <laughs> they wouldn't feel comfortable here. Right. And you know, we don't. Nobody is ever forced to go any place that they don't want to go. Sure. But I think giving them the opportunity to have either go to a support group, have a one-on-one with a survivor to have that relationship. Um, and just to know that they have someone that they can call and talk to makes a really big difference. So I think that we are seeing far more patients who come here having been um, in other practices and other institutions, and they come, they seek us out because they know that when they come to us, they're going to get the package. They're going to get the integrative care. They're going to get state-of-the-art Western medicine. They're going to get the tomosynthesis, they're going to get, you know, the best, newest radiation therapies and the best chemotherapy and clinical trials, but they also know that in that process, they're going to have tools and um, other practitioners besides their doctors who are going to help them on their path to healing. Do you have to do a lot of education? Um, I'm assuming like most people might know what yoga is or massage is, but maybe not everybody knows what Reiki is or, or, um, guided imagery or anything like that. Do you, you know, do I'm assuming when they get these, um, healing certificates, it's, it's explained to them. Yes. What we do is when when a patient comes in for their consultation or a second opinion, you know, we we get a lot of second opinions because patients will have a diagnosis and second, I send my patients for second opinions. They, they, they go freely and, I, I have a firm belief that you need to be where you need to be. So if a patient feels that they're going to get something someplace else, they should be there. And just like when patients come for a second opinion, if they if it resonates with them and they like what we do, they, they'll stay. So in that packet, we have a beautiful little binder, and within the packet um, is a letter explaining that these healing certificates are gifted to them from the foundation and, uh, you know, Holy Redeemer graciously has created a beautiful space so that we can allow them to receive their services here. Um, and what happens is there's a list of all the practitioners with their phone numbers and emails. And at the bottom of the letter, um, they have the opportunity to have a one-hour session, an educational session, with Lauren Liberty. She is our, um, our services navigator. And Lauren is a cancer survivor. She um, is a radiologist that I... Um, kind of give her the credit of she was the one that banged me over the head with the two by four um, when she was diagnosed with a brain cancer. She introduced me to Reiki. She introduced me to healing. Um, I wrote about her in my book and she, her story's amazing because she is a healer through and through, but she started out as a radiologist and it took brain cancer to kind of shift that process for her. So um, we have a printed page with one paragraph about each different service. So, it's, it's kind of like made very short and sweet. Mm-hmm. And then the patients are able to call her, set up a time with her, and she will help them to pick what works for them. Because everybody needs something different. And, you know, I wish as a physician I was had the luxury of spending two hours with every patient to go through that process with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
what we've done is we've created the opportunity to have as close to that as we possibly can by giving them access to someone who has actually had a service. Lauren has gone to every practitioner. Um, she has had a service from everybody. And she helps by talking to the patient to see what is going to be the best fit for them. And it has been an incredible gift to have her as part of this program because she allows the patients then to really come up with their, you know, their plan of action for healing. My nurse navigator, Amy, helps me to come up with the plan of action from a medical perspective for the surgery and the chemo and the radiation and make sure that, they, that the patients get to where they need to be from their Western medical perspective. Mm -hmm. And Lauren helps them navigate through their Eastern medicine. And, you know, I'm kind of the bridge between the two because I think that without the support of the integrative services, I think that healing is something that may not occur for years and years okay. or may never occur. And without the Western medicine to cure the cancer, to actually remove the cancer and to treat the cancer, um, patients are often left, you know, and I do, I do get patients who come having, they, they, they'll come to the practice and they, they will refuse to do anything of Western medicine origin to treat their cancer. Mm -hmm. And when they come here, they're like, well, I know you're an integrative doctor. And I was like, yeah, but I, I'm an integrative practitioner. But integrative doesn't mean that I'm, I do alternative treatments. I, you know, I'm not going to give you a magic pill or a magic salve to rub on your cancer to make it disappear. Mm -hmm. I use state-of-the-art surgical intervention and chemo and radiation in conjunction with all of the other fabulous, you know, our patients that, that go for radiation therapy. Um, studies have shown that, you know, Pax ginseng, using Wisconsin ginseng, decreases fatigue with radiation therapy, which is a big deal. Because sure. by the fourth or fifth week of radiation, patients are feeling sluggish. Mm -hmm. And what I love is that the article, when it came out, my radiation oncologist sent me the article and said, Beth, you're going to love this. Like, because they've been listening to me for years, and now I have my medical oncologist and radiation oncologist sending me stuff in their literature about integrative therapies going, hey, look at this. Look what we have. And so, you know, our, our integrative journal club is starting in September. I'm very excited about it because I've got I, – my, one of my medical oncologists is board certified in integrative medicine. You know, family doctors uh, on staff with me are board certified in acupuncture. So my Western medicine physicians who are embracing integrative care, I have a pediatrician on staff um, who's also got board certified in integrative medicine. So the tide is rising, times are changing. Our ability to provide the state-of-the-art care um, in a comfortable, safe Western medicine environment with you know integrative medicine, it's the new dawn. It's, I mean, it's, it, the time has come. And our, you know, at, at Redeemer, we really, I, I'm really thrilled because uh, I've now been here for five years. And, you know, I kind of made a deal with the CEO when I came here years ago that I said, listen, integrative care is the future of medicine. It's what I want to be doing. I want to build a state-of-the-art breast health program, but we need to focus in the future on integrative therapies. And um, Jody Hutchinson, is a, she's a physician's assistant who joined as our integrative um, administrator in April, mm -hmm. and I love working with her because we are we're, we're starting to um, bring integrative care throughout the health system. Like that's the goal is to not make it be one little tiny carve out where which it is in a lot of hospitals. It's a, right. it's a little carve out space or a little carve out concept that most people don't even know about. So 
it's uh, I mean, it, it's very timely for us to be doing this podcast because it's uh, it's something that I've it, I've had it on my to do list, um, and it's been in my my medical healing bucket list, and now it's coming to fruition. So I'm really excited. That's that's wonderful. I'm curious too. Do you see it in your patients when? I, I don't know how else to say it, but when they start to heal, I mean, you know, they, they have gone through surgery and, you know, you know, the cancer has been cut out of them, but as you've said, you know, they're not, they, they themselves are not healed. And, and can you actually, can you see that happen? And that's gotta be so exciting too. It, it is palpable. And I, um, I have some patients who, um, you know, I jokingly call them my energy vampires <laughs> Um, because they will come to the office and they will suck a life out of you if you let them because they're scared, they're angry, they have all those emotions. And there's nothing in the world that makes me happier than removing that little energy vampire tag because sometimes, I mean, I know who they are and I have to put them at the end of my office hours because I'm trying to keep my patients flowing Mm -hmm. and I know that they need extra time. They need time with me. They need time to connect. And when that shift occurs and they no longer are in that place of fear, mm-hmm. I want to dance down the hallway and just scream to the rooftops, you know, that this new dawn has come because this person is no longer in that deep, dark hole waiting for cancer to come back. They're in the office, they're there for exam, and they want to be out the door and to go back to living their life. And that that moment of realization is you know years ago it was something that a lot of times I had to wait to see because I would always wait till after they were done their western medical treatment before I even introduced integrative therapies and now I do it from the get-go and so for some patients they're already on the fast track they're there and cancer is just part of this spiritual journey for them Mm -hmm. um so it's but it's everybody's time it's it's there's no judgment it's you know some people take a little extra time Mm -hmm. but there is this sense of, you know, peace in my heart when I see that in one of my patients because I know that I got to play a role in that, regardless of how big or how small. You know, I got to help them in that process, and uh, I, I never really liked um, Facebook, but um, last year or two years ago, I got nominated for Be Well Philly's Health Hero, and so I had to give a Facebook account because, of course, we didn't. No, I guess somebody did their research by that it was a Facebook vote. But um, so I, I, I still have a Facebook account, and I have a lot of patients who are on Facebook. And you know, it was one of those like, do I get off it? Do I leave it there? Whatever. But bottom line was, I stayed on it. And I have to say that when I see Facebook posts from patients, I had one the other day. She was eight years since her diagnosis, and what she wrote about, she didn't write about, oh, she did this beautiful surgery and. I look really great when I look in the mirror, which she does. But what she wrote that really touched me was she not only treated my cancer, she helped me to get to a better me. She helped me to get to a place where I no longer wake up in the morning scared that I'm going to die of cancer. And for that reason, I like Facebook because when I see posts like that from patients, Mm -hmm. I know that what I'm doing makes a difference. And I know that the hours that I put into to work with the foundation to have the money to do those services makes a difference. Oh, absolutely. And I wanted to ask you too about the foundation, the Healing Consci- Healing Consciousness Foundation. Um, that's a nonprofit. 
How exactly does that work? You said that when um, patients come in, they get the certificates that are funded by the foundation, but is it strictly for Holy Redeemer patients or is that something that's nationwide, worldwide? Well, currently it's a, it's a local process. We are, okay. we are a, a local like Delaware Valley kind of foundation. Okay. Um, when we see patients that come here for second opinion, they get healing certificates. If they stay here, mm-hmm. that's great. If they don't stay here, they can still access the services. Um, we have been approached by several other um, institutions in, you know, actually two in South Jersey right now where um, we're entertaining the possibility of having, you know, HCF South Jersey or whatever. And to be, because what we really need to have is you need to have a core of physicians who are willing to, you know, participate and be part of, you know, we need to make sure that the patients are being referred appropriately. We have patients that come to our support group who are not treated by our doctors but we need to make sure that their physicians are on board and sign off on that for them to be able to receive any kind of healing certificates. Um, but we have programs that are um, thrivers retreats, which are weekend-long, you know, kind of intensive healing sessions. We've got healthy cooking classes. We've got exercise um, and, uh, you know, Zumba and yoga. So we don't, like, draw a line in the sand and say, you know, you have to be a Holy Redeemer patient. Okay. But somehow those patients are associated with Holy Redeemer and us because they get to us through word of mouth, through other patients. Um, we, when other breast cancer surgeons have retired in the area, we inherit a lot of patients because they come to us for their follow-up and their mammograms. And, and so that's how they find out about us. So, you know, ideally, would I love to be a national organization and do this? Yes. Do we have the bandwidth right now or the finances? No, mm-hmm. but you know, just like breastcancers.org started out as a small, yep. you know, it, it started out as a grassroots effort, and now you have a word, worldwide reach, you know, mm-hmm. sky's the limit. Okay, that's that's good. Now, um, I know we're getting a little bit tight on time, so I want to ask you one last question. Um, you have also written a book called The Healing Consciousness, A Doctor's Journey to Healing. So I want to ask you, what does it mean to be a doctor and a healer? when most individuals choose medicine as a profession, they choose it because at a soul's level, they're a healer. Their life is one of service, um, being of service to others. Um, I think that when I look at my life as a physician and as a surgeon, I, you know, I think I went into medicine because I'm a healer in my, at my soul's level. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a big difference between being a doctor and being a healer. Um, because as a physician, particularly a Western medicine trained physician, we're trained to, to treat a disease. We're trained to, you know, give it a name, figure it out and give it a, give it a cure, give it a surgery, give it a pill, give it a whatever. Um, as a healer, you look at the individual that you have in front of you as that complex mind body spirit and where the physician typically you know unless you're a psychiatrist focusing on the mind um, a typical you know medical doctor will focus on the body and so as a healer when you look at the mind body spirit connection realizing that you know if somebody's very depressed that depression may lead them to overeat and gain weight Um, so kind of connecting those pieces and parts is what to me differentiates healing versus curing, where someone can be cured of cancer and live in fear that it's going to come back mm-hmm. and have never healed. So 
at the healer in me identifies that aspect in the patient so that I want to make sure that that mind-body-spiritual connection is in alignment. Um, the Western medicine physician in me wants to make sure that my margins are clear when I do my lumpectomy, want to make sure that I've identified the appropriate sentinel node, and make sure that that patient gets the chemo or the anti-estrogen or the radiation that they need to treat that cancer. Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't mean that they are mutually exclusive, but I think that unfortunately because of the changes in healthcare and the constraints on time, a lot of physicians burn out because they stop getting the time as a healer and spend way more time as the physician. And so when you talk about physician heal thyself, mm -hmm. the first thing that we need to do as physicians is realize what do we personally need to heal ourselves so that we can be better healers and physicians for our patients. Excellent. Dr. Dupree, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been very enlightening. I know I've learned a lot, and I do hope that you will join us again so we can talk a little bit more deeply about some of these topics. We will. And Jamie, if you if you have September 27th available, um, the foundation, we are having a fundraiser, and it is called Your Genes Say a Lot About You. Okay. And it's, a, it's kind of the play on words because it's our, our models, it's genetic risk assessment. So most of our models are either survivors or pre-vivors. Okay. And given the New York Times article this week on the PALB2 gene and exactly. the new genetic testing, you know, it's brought up a lot of questions. And we did it kind of in response to the Angelina Jolie, you know, raising that awareness. Mm -hmm. um, plus, it's fabulous because we're all going to be wearing jeans. So <laughs> I, get to, I get to wear a very hot pair of high-heeled shoes, a cute shirt, and jeans. So I don't just stress about what dress I'm going to have to fit into. So Excellent. Well, I will put that on my calendar, and I will hope I will see you there. I hope it works out. And, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jamie.